Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm very excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you. Going to dive a little bit into the series opener against the Chicago Cubs and then basically get into the questions of, hey, should I be worried about this guy? And, uh, you know, spoilers for a lot of these, the, the answer is going to be no, no, not yet. You shouldn't be worried about uh, any individual or any particular aspect of the team at this point as a you know sort of real downtrodden element of it but we'll get into some of the details there and and some of them obviously are going to come out of the five to two loss experienced at the hands of the Chicago Cubs now this was a really interesting baseball game right because it was basically it was lost in the first inning and but it was almost not lost in the first inning which is it was kind of amazing As, as it turned out the Cubs got their three runs. The Rockies would only score two in the game. So ultimately, yeah, Kyle coming out, not being especially sharp, running into some bad luck. The mistakes that the Rockies had there on the first cost them the ball game. What was really fascinating was how it didn't get completely absurdly out of control and out of hand right away. Again, if, if you're a Rockies fan, which you're listening to this, so there's a 99% chance that you are, you were almost certainly of the feeling that that, inning was going to get completely out of control, that the Cubs were going to score five or six runs in the first, that the Rockies were going to have to go to their bullpen maybe right away. I mean, they, they had somebody up, right? The phone rang. I can't remember who, who they got warming up, but there was a call to the bullpen in the first inning and all the things that were going on behind him, right? None of the balls, except for the one by Saya, hit particularly hard. And, you know, I had both radio and television on. Uh, Don't ask me how I do that. I go back and forth. But basically, uh, both broadcasts were making the point, and and it it needs to be made, but it's also oftentimes the case with Freeland, that he wasn't getting hit especially hard, right? There was a lot of reaching for stuff that was kind of low and outside the zone, a lot of bloop hits off the end of the bat that in other games, those are going to stay in the air long enough for the outfielder to catch them or not have the loft and stay on the infield for an out. Um, Even... Uh, you know, the the ground ball late where they got uh, their extra two innings against him once he had recovered could have been a, a double play ground ball if it had been just a little more up the middle, if the Rockies had been shifted slightly differently, right? So uh, then the, then you had the mistake in the outfield where Chris Bryant threw the ball to third instead of going to second, which could have preserved another out there and taken a run off the board. You had uh, Elias Diaz, who's got one of the best arms of any catcher in baseball making a throwing error and Ryan McMahon, who's one of the best defenders in baseball who got his glove on it and really should have caught the, it wasn't a good throw, but McMahon should have caught it and he'll tell you he should have caught it. Um, so all of that, <laughs> all of that happened to get the Cubs those three runs, right? But like I said, if, if you're anything like me, you were sitting there going, this is going to get worse and they're going to have to take Kyle out of the game. And not only is the bullpen now going to have to pick up, eight innings in this ball game and we're probably looking at like a nine to one loss or something right but also the bullpen's going to be gassed for the rest of the homestand or the rest of the week or whatever now you're really screwed right because you can't go to these guys for x number of games so what kyle did in recovering after that terrible start was huge 
it was huge for himself, obviously, just as a confidence booster to be like, look, I've got to nail this thing down, right? You're still looking at him starting his season with two of what you hope are two of his worst starts of the of the year, right? These are these are not good games statistically at all. But boy, would it have looked a lot worse if he'd had to come out in the second, right? The fact that he was even able to get into the sixth inning was kind of a minor miracle. You know, I understood people saying he shouldn't have gone back out there. Um, it's tough at that point because he really had locked it in. And he was, and the pitch count was ridiculous. He was at like 59 pitches or something like that. So it, it's kind of funny because you, you're not going to call this a good start for Kyle Freeland, but the ability to do that, to all of a sudden get into the sixth inning when it looked like your day was going to be done 10 minutes in, that's huge for him. That's huge for his confidence to, to remind himself that he can get back, that he can compete even after those things. And then obviously big for the bullpen, big for Bud Black to be able to do that. And then of course, speaking of your bullpen, I mean, I, I feel I have to report the news, <laughs> but I also feel like I don't want to start jinxing this stuff by just mentioning what happened. But here's what happened. One hit, one base runner. Uh, a single against Ashton Godot, I believe. And other than that, Godot, Lawrence, and Kinley didn't allow the Cubs to get on base. And your bullpen continues to be lights out. And that is the one thing, like, that's obviously not sustainable, right? They're not going to be this good all season long. And you wonder at some point if they're going to, you know, run into a wall because of all of this early season usage there is some good news on that front one I do expect the Rockies starters to be able to go deeper into games as we get further away from the truncated spring training and they get back to just being their comfortable normal selves we all know that Freeland's got six seven innings in him semi-regularly Sensatella you know we'll see with Austin Gomber but he certainly did last year and then obviously Marquez is a guy who can give you that kind of length and so they've got to get that out of their starters But the other interesting thing about this excellent start that the bullpen is off to is that two of their best relievers from a year ago, Lucas Gilbreth and Robert Stevenson. In fact, Stevenson was the guy that I had sort of tabbed for that next, you know, potential closer. Uh, Like he he was the guy I thought very low key could be the best reliever in the Rockies bullpen this year, especially before they acquired Alex Colomay. And they have started the year on the IL, right? You'll, you'll recall that Jordan Sheffield and Justin Lawrence were supposed to start this year in AAA, but it was, I think it was like the morning of opening day. I remember being like, I was like headed down to the ballpark and I got an email. So these two guys are on the IL. These two guys are coming up and you go, okay, it's relievers. It's probably not going to make too much of a difference. Jordan Sheffield, I think is the only guy who has yet to appear in a game, right? The only pitcher I should say, uh, Alan Trejo has also not yet appeared in a game, but Justin Lawrence's first of all looked fantastic. And I think we all understood when when that news came out. I had just talked to him. I'd written about him at milehighsports.com. We knew that like the Justin Lawrence thing was about needing him more toward the end of the year and hoping that he could get those late inning experiences, right? And probably too wanting to continue to work on on him throwing the ball in the strike zone. But at the major league level so far, he's done exactly that. He had another fantastic inning last night. And yeah, he's being asked to pick up the, you know, the sixth or the seventh right now. And I do think that they envision him in a best case scenario as a later inning guy. But this is a great role for him right now. And he's responding to it incredibly well. And 
I wouldn't be shocked if he or, you know, some others, it's going to be very interesting when Gilbreth and Stevenson come back because they need to get in there. And right now, everyone's going kind of good, right? So they've got this depth all of a sudden in their pen. They're going to have these two extra guys to add to it. And I think you just find whoever maybe isn't going the best or who needs some rest because you need your bullpen to not collapse in June and July, right? If this is going to be your formula for success, that is a big concern. So I'm about to dive into like each individual player. I talked a little bit about Kyle and why there's not much of a need for concern there. But my biggest area of general concern would be the lack of sustainability for how good the bullpen has been. They're going to have their rough days. Guys are going to get hurt or, or even if they continue to be very, very good through April and like the first half of May, you worry about burnout, right? So the fact that they've got Gilbreth and Stevenson there, which means at some point they'll be able to shut down other guys and keep them more healthy, right? And that's going to be an interesting dynamic. So that's the thing that's got me probably the most positive about where the team is right now, that the bullpen continues to be good and that they're actually going to get reinforcements. That's really, really interesting, right? So as it turned out, you know, a, a game that could have gotten out of hand in the first that ended up being a 3-2 ball game in the middle innings. And yeah, the Cubs got another couple. But with the way the the pen shut it down, this was a winnable ball game for the Colorado Rockies, which in many, many other years when the starter didn't have it on any given day, really for the last three, four, I would even go into the 17 and 18 seasons when they were, you know, good and they had Arnauto and Story and, and Blackman at their peak and all of that stuff in LeMahieu. Right. Even during those years, if the starter showed up and didn't have it, and that meant, you know, a decent number of innings out of your bullpen, it didn't matter how good your offense was. You weren't going to win. You just weren't going to win the game. And this was a little bit different. So then we've got to talk about the other big thing that I think a lot of people are, are concerned about so far. And that is, of course, the left on base. Uh, this is this is the bane of the baseball fans' existence. This and, and blown saves, right? I think... This is one of those things where almost every baseball fan thinks that their team is worse at at, at this thing than they are. Um, but it's brutal because you always remember the missed opportunities, right? The games where nobody gets on base, you just kind of go, well, we got dominated by good pitching. Or maybe you just go, hey, the offense sucks or whatever. You know, you, you just, you're not into it, right? But a game like this where the Rockies come out and produce 10 hits, same number as the Cubs. Right, It really came down to sequencing and not being able to get the big hit when they needed it. Joe leaves three on, Blackman leaves three on, Bryant leaves three on, Crone leaves five on, Rogers had a rough day, I'll talk about him in a minute, leaves four on, Diaz leaves three on. So you're talking about any one of those guys comes up with a double in the gap during any one of those at-bats, tie ball game, maybe the Rockies win, right? Um, Jose Iglesias had a real rough one late where uh, he, he did everything right. The, the runner got on, he looked at the first two pitches, got into a hitter's count, he earned a fastball basically right down the middle, he timed it perfectly, but he was just over the top of it. So instead of hitting a double in the gap, or maybe even for him, one of his rare pull home runs down the line, he rolled it over to the shortstop, and it was an inning-ending double play. And that's just kind of the game that the Rockies had. Um, 
that's part of the reason why you play 162 baseball games, right? And that's why, you know, hitting is just one of those things where you go, why can't they come up with the big hit and the big situation? Sometimes it's because that requires you to get your fourth or fifth hit of an inning. And hitting is hard. Uh, (laughs) You may have noticed, right? The Rockies were hitting the ball quite a bit harder than the Cubs were. They weren't reaching out. They weren't hitting it off the end of the bat. Uh, You know, they they were taking pretty confident at bats and hitting the ball hard but just not in the right sequencing. And one of the things that I thought for this team was going to be, you know, a big factor toward minimizing those kinds of things was the, is the home run ball. And that's something that I'm still kind of looking for out of this offense. So that's again, you know, where I think some people are going, ah, man, you know, this player and that player are struggling and the guys left on base, that's going to kill this team. But what I'm looking at is still a lineup that's getting consistent production from basically everybody in except one or two guys. But they're not, no one's playing above their head. No one's hitting at an unsustainable clip. And as a team, there's a lot more home run ball in this lineup. There were two last night off the bat. I thought Connor Joe had taken one out. I think it was in the fifth inning. There was a leadoff base runner in front of him. A home run that would have either tied it up or maybe even at that point, it might have put the Rockies back on top. And it died on the warning track. I thought Elias Diaz had hit a grand slam. In his at-bat, right? When the Rockies, that was a great inning to load up those bases. Everyone did a good job in that inning to get it where it was. Um, Fell just short, right? He just missed either the home run or the double in the gap. And you're talking about a matter of centimeters of difference on the barrel of the bat, right? So for me, the offense is not a concern even a little bit because Chris Bryant's going to hit a home run at some point. In fact, he's going to hit 30-plus of them. Randall Gritchick's still sitting on zero home runs. You know, Brendan Rodgers is going to break out of this slump. Uh, Ryan McMahon hasn't gone yard yet. We know he's got that in there. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you're going to have those games when the home run ball isn't there. You still want to be able to come up with the key hit. Uh, that There's not really a specific tool to do that again. Somebody said this in my Discord channel the other day, and, and I thought, yeah, that's brilliant. I said every year... I feel like the Rockies are the worst team in baseball uh, hitting with runners in scoring position, right? Leaving guys on base. And then I go and check the stats and I, I see that they're right in the middle of the pack, <laughs> right? And I, and I think there are a lot of fans that feel that way across baseball. That's just, it's so frustrating when you can't get the key hit. But so much of that comes down to what pitch is thrown, who's at the plate right now, and, and how good is your luck on any given day? Uh, the Rockies were hitting hard line drives kind of right at people or hitting hard ground balls that were at the infielder instead of just by them, you know, and the Cubs had three or four that were just right in between the shortstop and the third baseman. Like I said, really their key hit from Ian Happ that put the game away when it was three, two and chased Kyle from the game was a ground ball right to where the second baseman is normally standing, but they were just shifted over for him. And so Rodgers couldn't quite get to it, and it brought in two more runs. It chased Kyle Freeland from the game. That's just BABIP, right? Ball Batting average on balls in play. Um, that, that's, that's dumb luck, but that's part of why Bill Schmidt built this team to hit the ball over the wall. Because you take a lot of that luck out of, out of the equation, right? When you don't need to find the grass or find the dirt or find the holes in the defense, you just hit it over the defense. As Babe Ruth used to say, you know, hit it where they ain't. Well, they ain't playing over the wall. 
<laughs> they ain't playing in the stands, buddy. So I'll hit it where they ain't. You know, and we're going to see more of that out of this Rockies offense going forward for sure. But it was a frustrating loss in a lot of ways, absolutely. But for me, it was, again, and I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe I am just the silver linings guy and I should just lean into that and, and not try to reject it however often. But I really am. I'm sitting here looking at it going, they should have lost that game 9-2. to two. They, And the bullpen should be gassed. And the offense, you know, could have had just a down day. But they produced 10 hits. Um, you, you know, they had their opportunities. One key moment gets flipped Rockies win that ball game and those are the kinds of things you, you got to keep your eye on how many you know how many of those games are there because there have been way too many the past couple of years where it's like no you don't just flip a key moment and they win a game they lost completely from beginning to end right and this had the makings of one of those where they just didn't have it didn't go down that way so last couple of things that uh, I wanted to mention before opening up to the Q&A here on the spaces is uh, some of these guys that aren't performing well, level of concern. Brendan Rodgers, that was a rough game last night. Three strikeouts, like I said, four left on base. Had some big opportunities. Uh, did have one good at bat where he drew a walk in the middle of, of what could have been a quality rally there. Um, you know, and, and, and Rodgers looks a lot to me right now like a, a standard power hitter in a slump. In fact, I wrote this the other I can't remember if it was on Twitter or in the Discord channel, but I said he, he reminds me a lot of sophomore season Trevor story right now and that ended up being a, a rough season for Trevor especially in the first half but he really came alive in the second half when when he learned a lot of things and you know in in baseball essentially when you have a nice year and I know a lot of people weren't really paying attention to Brendan Rodgers season a year ago or or you know if you subscribe to the advanced metrics you're looking at a, a league average bat but a guy who hit 15 home runs and, and batted 280, you know, and had a nice little season or whatever. He took some guys deep. You, you write a book on that guy. Pitchers talk to each other. Scouts figure some things out. Where are his areas of strength? Where are his areas of weakness? And learning how to hit a major league slider or a major league curveball. For a lot of guys, they can't catch up to the major league fastball. And they get their cup of coffee and they never stay major league players. Brendan Rodgers has shown he can hit a fastball. He can hit a major league fastball anywhere. But guys know that now. They're throwing him a lot of junk. They're making him chase. They're making him be aggressive. And and he's going to have to learn a, a new approach for a guy who's been doing it the same way or, or similar ways his entire life. And it's gotten him this far. Now, he doesn't need to reinvent himself as a hitter. And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people say you know, he looks completely lost up there. He looks to me not like the hitter he was in his first 20 games where he looked a little bit like, oh, my God, this is the big leagues. You know, he was swinging at nonsense. The at-bats individually this season have not looked good. But what I'm seeing is a guy who, when he's looking fastball, He's getting a wrinkle. And when he's looking for that wrinkle, he's getting the fastball. When he's going up there trying to be patient, the first two pitches are on the black and he's looking at an 0-2 count. When he's going up there looking to be aggressive, the first two pitches are on the black and he's swinging at them. He's just, everything is off with his pattern right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a day, either tonight or maybe for the, the Sunday day game. or uh, but, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if, 
if he gets a day and not as a punishment or a way of saying, hey, we, we got to get this guy out of our lineup. He's going to go right back in and he's going to continue to be in the middle. Maybe you move him down a little, but I still think it's too early for all that stuff. You don't want to mess with his confidence. You don't want to, you know, have a shorter leash on him just because he's a younger player. Lots of good. Nolan Arenado went through several uh, slumps in his career where he was two for 20. Does anybody remember the World Baseball Classic where he got like one hit and 23 at-bats? Or July of 2019 when Nolan was terrible when they needed him to be good. Like I mentioned, Trevor Story's sophomore season. You look at, I think for the year, he had like an 86 OPS plus and he led the league in strikeouts. Struck out more than anybody in baseball that year. Now, I don't think we're looking at that kind of thing for Brendan, but we're looking at some growing pains, some some adjustments here. Uh, but I don't think that it's, you know, bury the guy, he can't hang, he's totally lost, get him out of there. None of that stuff. He's in a slump to be sure. He's got some things to work on. Could probably use a day off to rest a little bit, get a mental break, just do whatever. But Brendan Rodgers is going to continue to be an important member of this team in a similar way that, you know, Trevor Story, even when he was struggling, and they did have to move him down to like 7th or 8th in the lineup, a year after he should have been Rookie of the Year. You know, this stuff happens. Um, and, and it's all about how how much can the human being adjust. But we're going to keep our eyes on Brendan Rodgers from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, I don't think he's in there saying, man, I just can't hang with the major league pitching. I think right now he's having a slump that's very similar to the kinds that lots of guys have. It's hard to hit a baseball. And a lot of it is anticipation. And when you're anticipating the wrong thing, you're going to look silly. You know, Charlie Blackman is doing a lot of that right now. I worry a little bit about Charlie with some of the bat speed and with his age that his legs might be going. He might not have the power that he used to. Uh, he seems to be guessing a little bit more and, and swinging at pitches that in the past he was really good at laying off. He, he'd been a very, very disciplined hitter for most of his career. I see him offering at stuff in the dirt quite a bit more often this year. And, and you wonder if just a little bit of lost bat speed and or power or strength has him anticipating more. And when you're anticipating the pitch, that much again like I was talking about with Rodgers you know you've got two guys on the opposite ends of their spectrum right one guy nearing the end of his career one guy who's still really just getting started but they're struggling with uh, the same basic thing here and I, I have all the reason in the world to believe that either or both are going to break out of this and that's the other thing that's really intriguing to me about the offense basically you've got Joe Bryant Crone Diaz Iglesias all contributing basically every game but none of whom they're all hitting like three 333 360 320 333 333 right the, the of the guys i just named so no one's hitting like 500 in the early going no one's got like 10 12 rbi right chris bryant leads the team in hits but he hasn't had to hit his home first home run yet that's the best microcosm of this entire offense like they've been good but they've not gotten anywhere close to maximizing their potential i'm not worried at all about ryan mcmahon who is still sitting at 188, you know, drove in a run, walked a couple of times last night. He's he's started and he's gone through this process too. And he's going to be a great resource for Brendan going through all of this because, you know, guys have, have learned how to pitch to Ryan McMahon too. And so you've got to learn back. You've got to adjust back to how you're being pitched. Hitting is reactive. And that's the most difficult thing for a young player like Rogers. When you go up to the plate trying to make an outcome happen, 
Like you can only hit the pitch that's thrown your way. You can't make them throw you a pitch to hit or a pitch out of the zone. Any of that, right? And you watch Ryan McMahon's at-bats. Yeah, the numbers aren't there yet. But he hadn't looked like Rodgers or Blackman, has he? The numbers might look exactly the same. But if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mac has had some long at-bats. The one where he was like an eight or nine pitch at-bat last night where he drew the walk to bring in a run. Right? And yeah, you'd love to see him put a ball in the gap there with the bases loaded and be a big power hitter. But not extending himself and not doing anything stupid. That's a huge section of, of growth for a guy. Uh, you know, that that's a big portion of player development is not extending yourself outside of your game. Right now, Brendan's trying to do a little too much. He's trying to force the game to come to him. And while McMahon's numbers aren't there yet, they will be because he's not trying to force the game. He's letting the game come to him. Doesn't have the results yet, but they'll be there. So the offense is actually something that I am... I couldn't be much more positive on, honestly. I, I would be far more concerned if they were scoring these runs. If, like, Chris Bryant and C.J. Crone were just carrying the offense, I would say, hey, look, we're in for some some real troubling regression here. You know, or uh, if it was a bunch of home runs, I'd say, hey, look, I know the team's built to hit home runs, but there are going to be times when the home runs aren't there. But it just hasn't been that. Up and down the lineup, you're getting contributions from everybody except for so far, not a ton out of Blackman, Rogers, and McMahon. So the hope, obviously, is that as these other guys cool off, and they will. Look, Connor Joe's not going to on base 415 all year. <laughs> he could. That'd be cool. That'd be fun, uh, right? But he's not going to do that. Elias Diaz, probably not going to hit over 300 all season with the kind of power that he brings. I wouldn't expect that. So the, these guys are going to cool off. But as they're cooling off, that's when you've got to hope that Rodgers, McMahon, Blackman are heating up. That's how you create a 162-game offense that can be sustainably and consistently a threat because there are always going to be individuals who are in a slump. Ryan McMahon told me this at spring training. There's always going to be two or three guys in your lineup that are in a slump. That's why the word exists. That's That's what baseball, we know this, right? Slumps happen. But if everyone else in the lineup is capable of doing damage... You can live with that. Back, like I said, back even when the Rockies were really good, but the bottom part of the lineup was Ian Desmond, Tony Walters, pitcher spot. That kills your ability. That that means in order for you to score runs, you needed Nolan, Trevor, Charlie. If your stars weren't scoring runs, the Rockies weren't scoring runs. But now you've got Connor Joe and Jose Iglesias winning you ball games. You know, you, you're going to have these other guys, Elias Diaz. And then, as we know, like that, like I said, those other guys are going to be there. Jonathan Daza actually looked pretty solid at the plate last night with a couple of base hits. Set up some innings that could have been big, but but didn't turn into it. So, yeah, as far as your major concerns, I would say don't worry about Rodgers just yet. Look for Blackman and McMahon to heat up a little bit as these other guys cool off. We're obviously all going to keep our eyes on that bullpen very, very closely, waiting for the other shoe to drop. But for now, you just got to tip your cap to their process and their results. And we all know the starting pitching is going to be there. So, frustrating loss. Uh, you love to see him there at 5-1 instead of 4-2. Way too early to be getting upset about any of that stuff. Um, 
But when even in the losses, even in the two losses so far this season, the Rockies have played well. There have been things to point out and go, hmm, that one little thing goes a bit differently. They could still be undefeated right now. And obviously it doesn't work that way. The losses all count. The wins all count. But when looking forward to what is and what is not sustainable, so far other than the bullpen, I think everything that this team is doing right now is something they can sustain and carry with them forward and maybe even improve upon. So we've got that to look forward to. All right, I'm going to wrap up the podcast here, open it up for Q&A on the spaces. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you're checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Drew Priestman. You can always slide into the DMs to ask me about the Discord channel and join us here on the spaces for live Q&A. For those of you listening to the podcast, thank you so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Priestman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.